Hello, everyone. It's me again, Peter Harris, with Commercial Property Advisors, author of Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to commercial real estate investors all across America. The title and subject of today's podcast is Funding Commercial Real Estate Deals. So let's get started. I'm going to do my best to keep it short and simple and straight to the point for you. So basically, this uh, podcast is an overview of all the different ways for you to fund your commercial real estate deals. And I'm going to start off by, uh, number one, comparing commercial lending to residential lending. And then I'm going to discuss um, conventional commercial financing, and there are about eight different types. I'm going to discuss the requirements, the down payments, and where the different types are used. And then I'm going to discuss and, and share with you the likes and dislikes of commercial lenders and how to put your deal in its best light. Then I'll go into a little bit on creative commercial financing, which includes uh, owner carry first mortgages, second mortgages, my favorite, the master lease agreement, and the newcomer crowdfunding. Okay, so let's get started. And uh, let me start off by saying that uh, obtaining a, a loan for commercial property is somewhat similar to getting a loan for a single family home. For example, in both cases, you have to apply for the loan, uh, show your credit worthiness, and have a down payment. But that's about where the similarity ends. Uh, lenders separate all real estate loans into two basic piles. The first pile is a residential pile, and the second pile is a commercial pile. The residential pile or the residential properties include single-family homes, duplexes, triplexes and fourplexes, and commercial properties include uh, apartment complexes that are five units and greater, uh, retail centers, office buildings, industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, hotels, and raw land. A um, uh, Something you probably know, uh, know of, a mixed-use building which contains apartment units above and commercial, commercial spaces below, that also fall under, falls under a commercial. All right, so let me share with you, uh, number one, three main differences between commercial and residential lending. All right, number one is uh, in residential lending, the lenders look at the borrower first. Commercial lenders qualify their property first before they look at the borrower. They look at the property's ability to produce enough income to support um, the expenses and the mortgage. And the borrower's qualifications are second priority. Again, this is the exact opposite of residential lending where lenders qualify the borrower first and the property second. Okay, now on number two, the second main difference between residential and and commercial lending is the down payment requirements in commercial are typically a little more, perhaps 25 to 30% uh, down payment minimum where residential can be as low as 5% and as uh, high up as up, uh, up to 20 to 25%. And the reason why the commercial requirements are tougher is that they want you committed to the loan because the loan amount is higher and so the risk is higher to them. And in other words, the lender wants you to have skin in the game. All right. Now let me give you the third uh, main difference between commercial and residential lending. Uh, commercial loans usually mature in 10 years or less, while residential loans can last up to 30 years. And here's the reason. 
commercial lenders, when they make a loan, they are uh, pretty much committing uh, to that property, to that borrower, and to that neighborhood for a very long time. And to them, that's risky. They don't want to get caught in a downturn. Uh, so they make a loan for a short period of time, uh, 10 years or less, giving them an, op- an option or opportunity to get out or renew the loan every few years. Okay? All right, got it? Okay, so let's uh, let's move on. Next, I want to discuss um, what commercial lenders like and what they don't like about deals. Here's what commercial lenders like. Um, they like properties that have solid cash flow. And in this business, cash is king. And if the property is cash flowing well, you'll be in a position to take care of the property's needs, right? The greater the cash flow, the lesser the risk the bank sees. All right. Um, next, what the what commercial lenders like, they like properties, um, well, they basically, lenders like to have um, evidence of a strong operating history. If their previous owner is operating it well, there's proof to the lender that you can do it too. And lastly, commercial lenders like properties that are in stable and growing neighborhoods. If you bring them a property where jobs are declining, you'll likely be turned down. Okay, here's what property, here's what commercial lenders don't like. They don't like properties that have poor financial records. This is a major deal killer, plus it can actually lower their property value. Next is, they don't like properties that are poorly maintained. Nothing kills a superbly cash-flowing deal quicker than a dirty, unkept property. All right, next. Uh, commercial lenders don't like properties that are in suffering markets or suffering neighborhoods. If your deal is located in a neighborhood that has high vacancy, uh, plight, and poverty, the lenders will see this as being too risky and you'll get turned down. All right, next I want to go into the eight of the most common uh, commercial loans um, available. Uh, these are common uh, conventional loans available. All right, the first one is long-term loans. These loans can go up to 10 years in length, and they're at a fixed rate. And if you don't plan on selling the property for a while and, you're, and, you, and you'd like to keep the property uh, property's cash flow going, you should consider a long-term loan. Uh, also, long-term loans tend to have higher interest rates than shorter-term loans. And uh, so let's talk about short-term loans. These type of loans are usually up to three years in length and typically have lower interest rates than long-term loans. So if your investing strategy costs for you to sell the property or, or refinance the property in three years or less, this may be the option for you. Okay, number three, what we call conduit loans. These loans are good for properties that are in stable, uh, well-established uh, neighborhoods with solid tenants. Interest rates are usually low. And they're fixed with long, uh, what I call, amortization periods. These loans can also be non-recourse, which is a key term. Non-recourse means that if the borrower isn't, means that the borrower, that's you, uh, you're not personally guaranteeing the loan. And not being liable for the loan, just in case something goes wrong, is very good for the borrower. Lastly, uh, most non-recourse loans must be at a certain amount uh, and most lenders have it about, um, they want the minimum loan amount to be about two and a half to one and a half million dollars. Okay, number four, U.S. government agency loans. Uh, uh, here's a fact. 20% of all commercial loans 
given in the U.S. are somehow tied to the government. FHA, Fannie Mae, and HUD are just a few types of government loans available. And remember, these agencies aren't lenders. They basically are just insurers. Okay? Number five, construction loans. These loans are taken out to fund the ground-up construction of a property to completion or until certain leasing percentages are met. And uh, these loans are the toughest of all to get approved. Number six, uh, bridge loans. These are short-term, um, this is short-term financing and is used to bridge the gap between funding a permanent loan and actually closing on a um, uh, on a permanent loan. And uh, it's just bridge the gap between a, between a short-term loan and a permanent loan. Sorry about that. And these loans are, are useful in funding deals quickly, uh, but they can also be costly because um, they're, uh, they're effective in allowing you to capitalize on a deal that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to. All right, that's what bridge loans are for. Number seven, um, SBA uh, loan. These are small business administration loans. So if you plan on occupying at least 51% of the property yourself, you should check out an SBA loan. With these loans, a down payment that's as little as 10% is, is possible. Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, another benefit is that the interest rates will be lower than a conventional loan when using an SBA loan. You can also use this type of loan as a construction loan if you plan to occupy at least 60% of the property. But uh, remember that SBA loans aren't made by the SBA, the Small Business Administration. It merely insures the loans. So you have to go to an SBA-approved lender to actually receive the loan. All right, last but not least, we have the hard money loan, number eight. If you have, uh, if you have bad credit, uh, a recent bankruptcy, or the property needs to be closed in a few weeks, uh, you know, in you know, tight circumstances to get the deal done, uh, you can use a hard money loan. And these lenders usually require a hefty down payment, you know, 35% down payment or more. And they have exceptionally high interest rates. It could be 12% to up to 18% interest. And also there's an extra three to, uh, three to 10% extra, uh, or three to three to 10, three, three to 10 points just to use the money. Points are percentage percentages. For example, a three-point loan is you're paying an extra 3% of the loan amount just to use the money. All right, let's move into creative commercial financing. All right, so if you, the buyer, you fit under the one of the following categories. Uh, for example, you have little cash. You can't get a loan because you have poor credit or lack of credit or you desire to leverage whatever cash or resources you have, or if you need um, short-term seller financing, or let's say you came across a seller who wants to avoid capital gains taxes on the profits after sale, or you would um, uh, have to pay a large prepay penalty uh, on the loan if the seller sells, or let's say the seller is, um, is ill, or has personal circumstances that stop him from operating the property well, and now the property's in bad condition, you know, operating-wise and, and physical condition. Or let's say you run across a seller who needs to sell the property for whatever reason, but there is no equity in the property. Or let's say you come across a seller who is tired 
or burnt out or the property is way underperforming. Then um, these are all potential cases for creative financing to take place. Okay, I love these type of deals. But here's the secret to doing uh, creatively financed deals, no matter how large or small. The secret is to ask. That's right. You have to ask. All right. So now I'm going to get into the three uh, different um, creative financing methods. The first one um, is called owner carry first mortgages. Um, actually, I'm going to go over four with you. Uh, the first one is called owner carry first mortgages. The second one is called owner carry second mortgages. Then we have my favorite, the master lease agreement. And then um, last but not least, we have the newcomer to this method, crowdfunding. All right, so let's get started. In any market, strong or weak, investors like yourself should be armed with tools and know-how because every deal that you'll, that you'll do will be different in nature and they'll, and, you'll, you'll, and they'll have different challenges. So it is quite possible that your next deal may use all four methods at once uh, or a combination thereof or just one. In any case, you need to be armed with these funding tools, owner carry first, owner carry second, the master lease agreement, and crowdfunding. So all four are uh, things you should keep in your tool belt. All right, number one, let's uh, first discuss owner carry uh, mortgages. So if a seller has no debt on a property, he can act as the bank for your financing needs of the purchase. Simply put, he holds the mortgage for you. Here's an example. If the purchase price is $550,000 and you put down $50,000 and then you have to make payments on $450,000 balance, right? So the $450,000 is the owner carry. He's carrying that mortgage for you. And of course, you have agreed upon loan terms and things like that. But the question is, you're probably thinking, why would the seller do this for you when he could simply just get another investor to cash him out completely? Well, here are two possible answers. Number one, the seller may not want to pay taxes on the sale, right? The, the seller can actually delay capital gains taxes at the sale and spread out his tax consequences over a period of time if he wants to. That's the beauty of owner carry mortgages and creative financing. Here's the second reason why um, he may want to do this for you. If the property is well below market vacancy, and uh, uh, and in poor physical condition. This means that a bank, a conventional bank, will not lend on the property until it can show a profit and until it can have its, uh, its physical problems remedied, right? So this is what's commonly called a non-performing or distressed property. Commercial lenders do not like to lend on these type of situations. So this is when an owner carry may uh, work for you. Okay, next, let's talk about... Um, Owner carry second mortgages. All right, so owner carry second mortgages have been quite popular since the origination of mortgages. Let's say the buyer does not have uh, quite enough saved up for a down payment. He only has 15% of the purchase price, but the lender wants 20%. So there's a 5% shortage. So the seller can actually help the buyer by holding a second mortgage for the remaining 5% thereby satisfying the lender's 20% equity requirement. Okay, here's an example. Uh, the purchase price of a 10-unit apartment building is $500,000. And the down payment that the lender is requiring is 20% or $100,000. But the buyer only has $75,000, which is only 
So there's a 5% shortage there, all right? There's a $25,000 shortage there. So in order to satisfy the down payment requirement to the lender, the seller agrees to hold a second mortgage against the property for the remaining $25,000 or 5%. Now, everyone is happy, right? The seller gets to sell his property. The buyer gets to purchase the property. And lastly, the lender is uh, is satisfied. Their, their 20% equity requirement is satisfied. All right, so that is owner carry mortgage. is a very popular way to buy property. All right, here's my favorite, the master lease method. Here's where I like this because there's no banks required. Okay, so master leases, master lease agreements have been around for centuries. It's one of the oldest ways to buy um, real estate. So I want you to think of a master lease as a uh, lease with an option to buy principle. Remember um, we had that for single family homes? Uh, well, we can actually apply that to commercial property, but we're going to uh, instead refer to it as a master lease agreement. Okay? Principle is the same, just the name is different. All right, let me explain to you in simple terms how a master lease agreement works. You will buy the seller's property by giving him a small or sometimes a zero down payment in exchange for all their rights and privileges of owning and operating the property without legal title ever changing hands. Um, at close, you're going to get what they call equitable title, not legal title. And therefore, you are entitled to the property's cash flow, tax benefits, day-to-day management, just like you actually own the property. All right, And because your term and your, your price and your terms are set, uh, all the upside is yours to keep. So the more efficient you are, the more money you will make. As you increase the NOI, the property's uh, increase in value becomes yours. All the seller gets is a monthly payment from you on the interest of the difference between the lease agreement price and what he owes. And once you sell the property and you pay him off, every dollar over the lease agreement price is your profit. All right? So that's a that's a great deal. Last but not least, um, we have the... Um, uh, the 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 new the newest way to fund a commercial deal, and that's crowdfunding. So crowdfunding is brand is I wouldn't say it's brand new, but it's really gaining steam in this marketplace in the commercial marketplace. So crowdfunding is a collection of money from backers, or we call the backers the crowd, to fund a real estate deal, and it usually occurs uh, on the internet. We call this an internet platform. And this is the what I, what I just said, the new kid on the block, and it's becoming quite popular, especially for commercial. Crowdfunding websites have grown from raising, um, in 2010, about $90 million to over $5 billion in 2013. So it's growing rapidly. All right? Okay, so here's a quick explanation of how it works. Once you find a deal, you would submit it to the crowdfunding website for approval, and once it is approved, the website will send you a deal to as many investors who are pre-approved to get them to invest in your deal. This used to be illegal until 2012 um, uh, when President Obama signed what we call the Jobs Act. Okay, and then, um, all right, so let me move off there. I don't want to get uh, too much into the Jobs Act. Okay, and then um, after your deal is submitted and the investors look at it, about a month later, if your deal is a good one, the money is in an account waiting for you to use. All right. The investors will typically want a 7, seven to 10% return plus a split of the cash flow 
um, above and beyond the 7 seven to 10% return. Now, um, I want you to understand, they won't fund uh, 100% of the down payment, but they'll do most of it. So they want you to have some skin, some skin in the game. All right? But here's the kicker. Um, you need to be experienced for a crowdfunder to fund your deal. They reject over 97% of the deals submitted. So make sure you know what you're doing. All right? Just don't go on the, on the internet, find a crowdfunder and submit your deal. It's not that easy. All right? Okay, so there you have it. An overview of commercial lending. And hopefully by now you have a better understanding of how to fund a commercial deal and what the inner workings are. So let's get out there, let's get busy, and let's get a few deals done, okay? All right, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can get uh, access, access to even more great resources from our website at commercialpropertyadvisors.com as well as subscribing to this podcast. All right, so thank you so much for listening to this podcast on funding commercial real estate deals. This is Peter Harris. I'll talk to you later.